Augustus top lady penned those stanzas. And he says the very same thing we hear in Isaiah chapter 40. We receive double <laughs> of the Lord's hands for all our transgressions and iniquity, all our, all our sins. And he pens there. The double cure. Yeah, the, the first stanza there of the last line. Be of sin, the double cure. <laughs> Saved from wrath. The Lord Jesus Christ paid the penalty, beloved. And, and, and he makes me pure. He performed the law. He, he paid the penalty of the law and he performed the law. Full and complete salvation. <laughs> That's what causes us to rejoice and to rest and be, to be comforted by hearing Christ and Him crucified preached. What a blessing. Now this morning, or rather this evening, I should say this evening, we're returning to our look at the book of Romans. Now as we've been learning here these past several weeks, through what we may read here in Romans chapter 16, Paul the Apostle Paul was most thankful for these dear saints, beloved of God, beloved of the Lord Jesus Christ, who, who lived in this city of Rome. Now, to be sure, Rome was a strange city, a city surrounded by idolatry, a city where they had the Colosseum, where they took pleasure to gather together to watch sport. And what was the sport? to be entertained by watching believers being slaughtered for, for entertainment. And why was that? Just for being a believer. And by God's grace, they stood for the gospel unto death. Indeed, it cost them their lives because they couldn't. They wouldn't deny the Lord that bought them. And that's, that's uh, special dying grace the Lord provides for his people. Don't, don't worry about yourself about whether you do that or not. If you're his, he'll give you the grace to do that. But these dear people in Rome were beloved of God. And the Apostle Paul considered them saints, dearly beloved of God, who were faithful servants of the Lord Jesus Christ. And further, they demonstrated their love and their faithfulness to the gospel by serving the Lord's people. Beloved, that's how we demonstrate that we love the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by serving one another. He said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another, and that we'd lay down our lives for one another. Indeed, spending our lives for one another for Christ's sake. Now look at uh, verse 17. This is Romans 16. Verse 17, the apostle writes there, I beseech you, that is, I beg you, please, I, I beg you, my brothers and sisters in the Lord, I beseech you, brethren, mark them, take notice of them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine. And notice that word is singular. Whenever we read the word doctrines in the plural, it's referring to the doctrines of men or the, the doctrines of demons. And whenever we find that word set forth in a singular way, it's always in reference to the gospel of God, the gospel of Christ, the, the doctrine of Christ. And so, so mark them, take notice of them, which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the gospel. 
over how God saves sinners, what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. Now, to be sure, beloved, that, that offends us, does it not? When we hear those things contrary to the gospel, those things that um, portray our Lord and God Jesus Christ as though he was a failure, those things offend us, to be sure. But just think how much more offensive that is to God. How much more offensive it is to our Heavenly Father that people lie on His Son. And so, beloved, mark them that cause offenses contrary to the gospel, which ye have learned, and avoid them. In effect, Paul is saying, brethren, the best thing to do is to avoid them all together. Remember, on one occasion, the disciples came to the Lord and they said to Him, Lord, knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended? After they heard this saying, and what saying was that? The doctrine of Christ. How that the self-righteous are nothing more than hypocrites. And this is recorded in Matthew chapter 13, rather 15. And our Lord replied to his disciples in verse 13. If you want to look there with me. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 13 our Lord says this in reply. Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. Let them alone. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. And so the best thing we can do is let them alone. You see, beloved, that's the best thing we can do with those who oppose the gospel and are adamantly opposed to God's saving grace in Christ Jesus alone. Now, Paul loved these dear saints of God in Rome, and so he gives them this urgent and vital warning about false preachers, much like he did to the elders in Ephesus. We just had that portion read to us from Acts chapter 20. Now, if you turn there, uh, just to the left of the book of Romans, just one book, Rome, uh, Acts chapter 20. This is uh, when Paul was on his final leg of his journey back to Jerusalem. And in Acts chapter 20, in verse 20, he had called for the elders of Ephesus together, and he writes in verse 20, I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And he continues in verse 27, Beloved, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Now, most of the time that this verse is quoted, it's misquoted as, I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. That's not what it says. Rather, it says, all the counsel of God. You see, all the counsel of God is summed up in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. What was it that Philip preached to the eunuch? He opened his mouth and preached to him Jesus. Verse 28. And this is again um, Acts 20. Take heed therefore unto yourselves. Now he's saying the same thing we just read in Romans 16. Take heed. Mark them that cause division and take heed unto yourselves. And to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. 
For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch, watch them, beloved. And remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And so we see Paul warning them in Acts chapter 20, but he also warns the church of Galatia. If you turn with me to Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1. He writes this beginning in verse 6. I marvel, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. That is, they would manipulate it, change it to serve their own purpose. Now notice how strong a warning he gives in verse 8. Beloved, though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Let him be condemned. As we said before, so, I, uh, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Let him be condemned. Now what was it he so specifically preached? Look in the very same chapter, Galatians 1, and look there in verse 4 and 5. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, anything that is contrary to that, anything that is contrary to that message, is another gospel is preaching another Jesus. And not only Paul, but the other apostles, just the same, gives us likewise warnings. If you would, find First John. First John. And this is First John chapter 4. John writes there, Beloved, Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby, we, hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, Whereof ye have all ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is is it in the world. Now, if it's and if if that's true in their day, how much more in our day? Indeed, both they and we alike are living in these last days. And we read further warnings in God's word. This is in Second John, just just the one chapter. 
Look there with me in verse 7. For many deceivers are entered into the world, John writes, who confess not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves that we lose not those things which we have wrought, but that we receive a full reward. Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you, and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him Godspeed. For he that biddeth him Godspeed is partaker of his evil deeds. Unmistakably strong language and clear, is it not? You see, beloved, we must be cautious. Indeed, our Lord tells us to take heed, watch what you hear, and take heed how you hear. Now back to our text. Again, this is Romans 16. Verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned. Don't compromise. Don't try to get along with them. Just avoid them all together. And so, beloved, take notice. Take heed of these false preachers and their false doctrines that are contrary to the gospel of Christ and just avoid them all together. Invariably, when I meet Muslims, and I'm sure you've come across Muslims yourselves, um, they're, they're those who follow that false prophet, Muhammad. I always remind them that if they ever find themselves attending a debate with an imam, that's uh, what they call their ministers, imams, if they ever find themselves attending a debate between an imam and a so-called pastor, I always suggest to them that it's very possible that that man is likely not a Christian. Why would I say anything so dogmatic? Well, because, beloved, what God has revealed to us in the gospel of his Son is not up for debate. You see, beloved, there's nothing about the gospel of God that's up for debate. You see, the gospel is not to be debated. Rather, it's to be declared and believed among God's people. And so what are we to do? I love what the Lord said to his disciples. We just read it a moment ago. He just said, leave them alone. Regarding those who preach another gospel, regarding those that be blind, he said, leave them alone. Just leave them alone and stay away from them. And invariably, sometimes we can be guilty of debating. <laughs> but um, be encouraged in what pleases our Lord and God. What does he tell us in First uh, Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, I believe? It pleases God <laughs> through the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Just declare it, beloved. Declare it. There's nothing for debate. God has revealed these things to us. It's, it's not something that uh, we figured out. And when God reveals this to you, <laughs> when he teaches you by, your, by his undeserved grace, it's, uh, it's, let me put it to you this way. If you speak to uh, an atheist or an agnostic, you could say to them, isn't it true everything you know could be wrong? 
and they will think about it for a moment and go, yeah, that's right. Everything I know could be wrong. You ask one of God's blood-bought people, someone taught from above. As our Lord said, they shall all be taught of God. All who hear the Father and learn of him come to me. So if you ask me that question, if someone asks you that question, beloved, isn't it true everything you, you know could be wrong? You would say without a hesitation of a moment, uh, no, I can't say that <laughs> because I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that against that day. Well, I digress. So the, the, the main point here that we're learning not only from the Lord's apostles, but from him himself is to stay away from any preaching that does not give Christ all the glory and all the honor for the saving of his people, for it's not of God. You see, they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God to save. You see, the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It's not by man's will or by man's work or by man's whim. Salvation is not dependent upon what you do. And make, make no mistake, that's what false preachers say. Falsely teaching how that salvation is conditioned upon what you do. My friend, that's another gospel. Beloved, the gospel that's given to us is not the religion of do, but rather the gospel that's given to us to believe is the gospel of D-O-N-E, done. You see, it's already done. Our Lord declared on the earth, it is finished, and in glory he declares, it is done. And beloved, we preach what Christ has done for us, and that which you have learned we have been taught of God. Remember John chapter 6, and I've already quoted this, but let's turn there. John's Gospel chapter 6, and this is uh, just after what the Lord said, No man can come to me except the Father which sent him draw, draw him. And shortly thereafter, our Lord says this in verse 45 of John chapter 6, It is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. All of God's elect, the elect amongst the Jews, the elect amongst the Gentiles. Every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. <laughs> they come to the Lord Jesus Christ. They've been taught the gospel of God, not of man, but of God. Ever so blessedly, they've been taught of God. As the apostle tells us in Galatians chapter 1, beginning in verse 11, He writes there in verse 11, Galatians 1, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it by man, but by the revelation of God, by the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, the reason why we believe him is that we've been taught of God. Indeed, God's people have been given a revelation from above. Now back to our text, Romans again, chapter 16. Paul continues, speaking of these false prophets in verse 18. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus. They don't serve his saving purpose, 
but rather they just serve their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple, deceiving those who are not taught of God. Our Lord declares, There shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. You see, the elect of God cannot be deceived. It's, it's not possible. Rather, those who are of an unbelieving heart are persuaded by every wind of doctrine. Sadly, they don't have a foundation to rest upon. Their rock is not our rock. And so they go here, and they go there, and they go to, on to other places. And so these men who deceive, well, they're not servants of the Lord. Rather, they just serve their own interests. They do not preach the gospel of God concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Rather, they preach another Jesus. Turn with me to Second Corinthians, if you would. Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. And of course, this is where all this stems from. We see this in Second Corinthians, chapter eleven. The apostle writing there, beginning in verse three. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if ye receive another spirit which ye have not received, or, an, or another gospel which ye have not accepted, ye might well bear with him. Now notice the reference there. They were people who had another spirit, another gospel, and they preached another Jesus. You see, the modern religion of today is preaching another Jesus. It's not the Christ of God. Rather, he's another Jesus, and it's another gospel. Now, if you would, just stay there in Second Corinthians and, and look there, again, chapter 11, and look what he says there in verse 13. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ, and tis no marvel, no marvel at all, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if he ministers, if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose ends shall be according to their works. Now, these who go about, who transform themselves as ministers of righteousness, it's not the righteousness of God that's revealed in the gospel. It's not the righteousness of Christ. Rather, their supposed righteousness is by what they're doing or through their own so-called obedience. Remember, Paul called out those Judaizers in Romans chapter 10, those who were going about to establish a righteousness of their own by their own fleshly attempts to keep the law. So beware. Beware, they serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says there, but by good words and fair speeches, they deceive. That's what the Apostle Paul writes there. By, by good words and fair speeches, deceive the hearts of the simple. You see, they, they can do it with um, oratory, persuading people, using powerful language and big booming voices. I mean, listen to, listen to this. See if you can recognize which politician said this. Quote, The warning signs of this collapse are apparent. Communism, with its methods of madness, is making a powerful and insidious attack upon our dismayed and shattered nation. 
It seeks to poison and disrupt in order to hurl us into an epic of chaos. This negative destroying spirit spared nothing of all that is highest and most valuable. Beginning with the family, it has undermined the very foundations of morality and faith and scoffs at culture and business, nation, justice, and honor. These many years of Marxism has ruined our country. That was Adolf Hitler. And he persuaded a lot of people, did he not? Sounds like our political time, a little bit. And so this uh, politician, just as false preachers do, by fair speeches and good words, they deceive many. Now, before we look at verse 19, I'll just make this brief comment. Beloved, the Lord does not use the lies of false preachers to teach his people the truth. I mean, does God use the lies of men to teach his people the truth? I don't have this reference in my notes, but the Lord Jesus Christ, when, when he spoke to Nicodemus, he said, no one may enter, let alone see the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, except they be born of water and the spirit. And he, he marveled that Nicodemus did not understand his words. The prophet Ezekiel speaks of God's word, the gospel, as clean water. <laughs> so we must have clean water. We must have the truth if we're to be saved. But not only that, God must quicken us. He must bless that clean water of the gospel with the power of his spirit. And if you turn with me, uh, this is throughout the scriptures. There's no shortage of verses we could turn to. But if you turn with me to James, James chapter 1, I believe, just after Hebrews, there in verse 18. It speaks there of the new birth. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Not, not a lie, not a half-truth, but the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. You see, it's completely and utterly impossible for God to use a lie to save his people. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the lies of men. And so what does God use? He said, you shall know the truth and the truth, not, not the lies of men, the truth shall set you free. Now to say that Christ died for everybody or that God wants to save you, but you won't let him. Well, that's not true. That's another gospel. That's not the gospel of God. Again, verse, uh, rather, again, Romans 16. Uh, Paul continues in verse 19. For your obedience has come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf. But yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Now, that word simple, and if you have a reference note in, in your Bible, it means uh, harmless concerning evil. That is, I would have you shun those things concerning evil and have you wise unto that which is good. And Paul rejoiced in their obedience unto the gospel they were given, that faith by which they believed the gospel of Christ. And this has been Paul's theme all along through this epistle. If you look back in Romans chapter 1, and verse 8, 
He writes there, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all, for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. You see, the believers in Rome were obedient unto faith, and that's what saving faith does. You see, saving faith, when it's given, and it's the gift of God, when it's given, when it's granted, well, that faith bows in submission unto the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, beloved, we bow to Christ, and we own Him as our Savior, but so too, we, just the same, we own Him as our Lord, and we love His Lordship. The faith of God's elect is a precious gift of God. Indeed, it is the precious gift of God that he purchased with his own precious blood. And the faith of God's elect acknowledges the truth of the gospel as it is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Indeed, as it is revealed in the word and by the word of God. All right, returning now to that chapter we've been looking at, Romans 16 and verse 20. The apostle continues there and writes, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Now you'll remember two times in this epistle, Paul calls God the God of peace. Just to the left of the page there, or just a page over, chapter 15, or just, just, yeah, just up in the left-hand corner there, if you have a Cambridge Bible, he writes there, Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. And indeed, beloved, he is the God of all grace. He is the God of all salvation, the God of all comfort, the God of patience, long-suffering, and he's the God of peace, who shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Now, I hear false preachers mostly on TV, and I'm sure you've come across this yourself, um, speaking in an, a boastful way, a, an arrogant way, as though they could beat up on Satan. God's preachers don't talk that way. You know, the, the, the so-called uh, false preacher you see on TV, he'll brag about doing this or doing that, and they talk as though they have a commanding presence over demon spirits. But that's not reality, my friend. You see, we are no match for Satan. Not at all. And though he is a defeated foe, to be sure, beloved, that's not by something we have done, but rather by what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us. And the God of peace shall bruise him shortly. You see, it's not the church. It's not you. It's not me. Not at all. Rather, the God of peace, the God of all grace, who has all power, shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. And Paul adds, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Now let's turn and read um, an example of that. In first, uh, rather in Second Corinthians, if you turn there with me, in, in contrast, while those uh, charlatans and false TV evangelists like to parade around like they have power over Satan. In contrast, take a look here at what we learn through the testimony of the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We, we come across this uh, 
account when the Apostle Paul had those great revelations and who was even caught up into paradise and he heard things he could not speak. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 7, he writes there, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, why didn't he just say in the name of Jesus like those charlatans do on TV? Why didn't Paul just rebuke and command Satan? I mean, he's an apostle, right? A servant of the Lord. He tells us, lest I should be exalted above measure. Now, here's what Paul did do. He didn't parade around like those false charlatans on TV. Rather, he writes in verse 8, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, for this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. So, where did he go? Notice he went to the advocate, to the mediator, who has all power to rebuke, and be so he besought the Lord, the one who has all power. We don't have any power. The Lord has all power. Now, God could have brought an end to this thing, because the devil is God's servant. The Lord Jesus, with a word, could have demanded Satan to never touch Paul again. But Paul writes, the Lord said to me, verse 9, my grace is sufficient for thee, Paul. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And so Paul said, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities. I take pleasure in persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How could that be? taking pleasure in these things that are difficult on the flesh. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 11. Our Lord speaks here in verse 11. Matthew chapter 5, verse 11. He says, Blessed are ye, happy, happy are ye, when men shall revile you, and persecute you, and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven, for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. I take pleasures in infirmities. I take pleasure in being reproached for Christ's sake. <laughs> for Christ's sake. I take pleasure in being distressed over the gospel for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. When I'm whittled down to nothing, I learn afresh that he is all. And we know, beloved, without him we can do nothing. And so, beloved, again, verse 20 uh, of uh, Romans chapter 16. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Remember what the Lord said to Peter. He said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But the Lord said to Peter, But I have prayed for thee, Peter, Simon Peter, that thy faith fail not. Here's what we're to do, beloved. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth 
for you. And so, beloved, as we saw this past Sunday, this verse, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, whom resisteth steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, rejoice. The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.